Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I want to thank you for these incredible people, these men and women who are so precious to you. And Father, as I submit myself to you, I am expectant that your Holy Spirit is going to minister through me to your sons and to your daughters. You're going to build them up. You're going to encourage them. You're going to turn the lights on. You're going to awaken aspects of their, their hearts that have been asleep and dull. You're going to encourage them where they need encouragement because you are in our midst. And our expectation today is to hear from you through your available vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever created something? Have you ever put your hands towards something and created something? Perhaps it was a painting that you painted, or a room you decorated, or a meal you prepared. Perhaps it was a piece of jewelry that you applied yourself to where you took time and effort to work with your hands, to think through how something should be. I think about Funcho and how incredible it is when she creates those cakes. Who has ever had a cake made by Funcho? I'm telling you guys, that is next level. I think about the effort that must go into You know, working out what ingredients you need, making sure you're sourcing the right products. And then she puts it all together, mixes, stirs the right thing at the right time, puts the oven on the right dial, creates this batter, puts it into its special baking tray, puts it in the oven for the right amount of time. It comes out. She then lets it cool. She then gets her icing all together and she crafts these magnificent cakes time, effort, and then she looks back at it, and she goes, wow, that effort was worthwhile. That product is good. And then we get to taste it and to see it and go, whoa, that's a good cake. Thank you, Funcho, for putting your time and your effort into making that cake. I think about different projects we've worked on in our home, where we've had this blank canvas, and we've kind of gone, let's put this here, let's get that in there, let's paint this wall this color, and then you sit back after all this time and effort and labor, and you go, ah, that was worthwhile, because every time I walk into this room, I feel refreshed, and when people come around, they enjoy how beautiful it is. Can you think of things in your life that you put your hand to? Maybe it's writing exams or papers or PhDs or dissertations, and you have to think on all those, those, those things the lecturers have said and what your textbooks have said, and then you apply it and you bring your creativity, and then you produce a paper. You know what I'm talking about. Do you know that sense of satisfaction, that warm glow on in the inside? My effort was worthwhile. The time I took was a lot, but what I have in my hands was so worth it. Well, my friends, I believe that that is a small taste of how God felt when he made each and every one of us. Because scripture tells us that when he created mankind, men and women, in his image, in his likeness, 
He looked back at the work of his hands. He looked at his effort and he said, it is exceedingly good. You are the exceedingly good workmanship of a creative and powerful God. If that does not place value upon you, nothing will. So won't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are the exceedingly good workmanship of a great God. And to think when you were created and formed in your mother's womb, the Father took delight. I think about Jesus, perhaps his disposition as he remembered speaking to the disciples and explaining that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he watched Peter from his heavenly perspective as Peter rose up in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit to preach to the multitudes. And 3,000 people believed and began to follow. Did Jesus feel that sense of, Good job. Well done. That was worth it. That, those, that time on earth was worth it to see that moment of Peter rising up in the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I reckon that's how the Trinity's heart beats as men and women and children throughout the ages have believed that Jesus died for them, opened their hearts to the healing of the love, the unconditional love of the Heavenly Father, and then stepped up to the plate to allow the Holy Spirit to empower them to do great and mighty things in bringing heaven to earth. And I think that's how the champions of heaven feel when they look down upon the city of Durban and they see every nation Durban. And as they see the churches around this city who are the beautiful, amazing church that Jesus envisaged, you know, I think of us being a beautiful church when women like Auntie Claire gather a team around her and come, a, come alongside a, uh, an old man who came into this congregation for a period of time. And they got to know him and they came to find out that he was being exploited by another young man who was under the, the oppression of addiction. And he was being exploited for his pension. And they, as these women, rose up and said, that is not okay. That is not the beautiful church that we need to see in operation. That is dysfunction. That is injustice. And they stepped up to the plate, and they came alongside that man, and they helped to get him removed from that situation, and they helped to get him placed into a place of safety in an old-age home where he was having meals three times a day, and he had friends to play cards with. That is the beautiful church in operation. It's a beautiful church when I think about men and women who've come into, into this congregation and they've come a little bit broken, a little bit beaten, a little bit knocked around by the, the life's issues. And I've seen others coming around alongside, being the hands, the heart, the feet of Jesus, helping them, walking alongside them, walking along each, alongside each other through marital strain, through financial lack, through the, the destruction of pornography, through sexual violation, men and women rising up to the plate to be the beautiful church that God intended it to be as if Jesus was right there in the circumstance, helping, restoring, healing.
That is the beautiful church. And I know that that makes heaven celebrate. I don't know about you, but I am on this earth to be the beautiful church. And I am on this earth because I'm not one who just wants to attend church. How can you attend something you are meant to be? We don't attend church. We are the church, my friends. Yeah? And when are we the church? We are the church every time we rise up and we choose to follow the Lord. We choose to serve Him. We choose to serve His people. We choose to allow His Holy Spirit to cause us to rise up above our fears, our insecurities, our inabilities, our inadequacies. Every time we choose to be the church that Jesus intended us to be, the beautiful church arises and the broken world begins to get healed and whole. Don't you love this graphic? Let that graphic sink into your, into your heart and your mind. Take a picture of it with your phone because that graphic is a picture that represents who we are. We are a beautiful church in the midst of a broken world. Each and every single one of us, guys, is fearfully, reverentially, and wonderfully made in the image and the likeness of God himself. You know, when we let that shape our value and our worth, and Knox went into this quite a lot last week, about it's so important that our starting point is that of a healthy self-knowledge and self-evaluation um, of who we are. We are the workmanship of God Almighty. We are of ultimate value. And too many of us wake up in the morning and we feel less than, and we feel beaten down, and we feel overcome and overwhelmed. It's not who we are. We have to wake up every morning and we have to look at ourselves not through the reflection of what shows in the mirror, but through the reflection of your heavenly Father's eyes because you are His workmanship. You are created by Him. He is the one who wants to look at the work of His hands and say, that is exceedingly good. There's nothing sadder than a beautiful woman who looks in the mirror and says, I'm so ugly. There's nothing more pitiful than a strong man who walks around weak, unable to do anything. Can you imagine a small child here with, with the pulpit knocked over them and they trapped underneath this heavy piece of wood and there's a strong man who just stands there and goes, I'm too weak, I can't help the small child. How many Christians are actually seeing themselves in a pitiful state and not as the strength and the beauty of who they are, the church, the church of Jesus Christ? What would we do if this pulpit was laying on top of one of our kids? Where's a big, strong guy? Come on, you big and strong. Oh, stop pointing at your husband. He's, he's, he's lean. I'm looking for big and strong. I'm looking. Lindor's hiding. He's like, don't pull me out. Okay, there we go. There's our big, strong. Don't look behind you. Your friend's tapping you. Stand up for us. Stand up for us. Come on, show us. Show us big and strong. Yeah. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Don't sit down. Come, 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 sit closer. Okay. Right. Big and strong. Sorry. 
I don't mean to embarrass you, but just give us a little bit of a big and strong. Okay, so now here, here is, here is big and strong. This is, if you were my son, mm, I'd be so proud of you. Okay. And the pulpit is lying on top of Sukue, and he's there, and he's trapped underneath the pulpit. Ooh, can I put the pulpit on the floor? Can we do it? Okay, let's, we won't put Sukue underneath it. That'll just be, okay, we're just like, there's Sukue, here's my paper, and he's trapped. And here's our big, strong Christian brother, and I want you to go, I can't help you, Kue. I'm too weak. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, little one. I know you're struggling, and that weight on you is heavy. I'm too weak. That would be lame. Wouldn't that be lame? What do we want to see? Big, strong man, lift the wood. Lift the wood. Lift it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One hand. One hand. Thank you. That's my point. The broken world is like little Sukue trapped underneath something heavy. And we are the big strong man who needs to come and lift it up and say, no, not on my watch. I am a big strong man. I am a beautiful woman. And I am the beautiful church that Jesus is building in the earth. And the broken world will be made whole. Amen. Amen. Knox said that there was true freedom from being slaves to a false identity. If you are living under a false identity, today is the day that it ends. Today is the day that you say no more. I will not believe the lies that the broken world has put on me. I will believe the truth that my heavenly Father places upon me. I am fearfully, reverentially, and wonderfully made in His image, in His likeness. Not only that... But when Jesus left this earth, he sent his spirit. He left his spirit to embody the sons and daughters of the Most High. So we walk around maybe in a smaller frame than our big strong brother. But man, do we have the same power and strength. Because the same power and strength that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. Not only were we made miraculously by him, we were also made for him. And we are intended to bring him pleasure. Does your life bring your heavenly father pleasure? If you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus, you have received him, you've received the promise of truth, and that faith in Him is going to give you eternal life. Faith in Christ is going to give you strength beyond natural measures. Faith in Him restores your relationship with God. 
If you are in Christ, then can I tell you that right now, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you've done wrong or seemingly wrong, the Father looks at you and he sees the completeness and perfection of Jesus. And where there is still aspects of our thinking and our behavior and our soul that needs to align with that perfection of Christ himself, there's grace. There's grace for God to meet you where you're at and to take you on that journey of sanctification. But if you do not see yourself through the perfection of Christ in you, the hope of glory, you will have a distorted view of who you are and you will not think that you bring pleasure to God. If Christ is in you, you are perfected and there is grace for your soul that needs to journey to getting to that place of complete sanctification. Does that make sense? It's a real mind shift because sometimes you feel like you have to earn, not your salvation, your perfection in Christ. You feel like you have to try harder, work more. No, you need to lean into the grace of God to help you overcome that which you know is being something pulling you backwards. And maybe it's patterns of thinking. Maybe it's habitual sin. Maybe it's, 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 a, it's a, a crutch that you keep going back to. But if you see yourself as the failure and not as the victor, you will easily keep going back. But if you see yourself as the victor and God is gracious to help me keep moving forward from strength to strength and glory to glory, you will get to that place of complete freedom a lot quicker. So when we encourage each other, let's us in, let us encourage each other for how, in the way that God already sees us. When we're helping a brother or a sister who is struggling through something, let us not put an extra weight of burden. They already feel the conviction and the condemnation of the enemy. Help them. Help them make the right choices. Encourage them in the paths of righteousness. Build them up. Have you ever sat with somebody and you disclose something really yuck that you know you're involved in and their reaction kind of reaffirms the fact that you are a total failure? Their reaction shows you that what you are trapped in or keep going back to is actually who you are and you are disgusting. Or have you ever sat with somebody who looks at you in the eyes with compassion and love and says, I'm so sorry that you're struggling with that. What can I do to help you and come alongside you so that you can get free? It's a whole different journey that you go on. The first person that you're sitting with makes you feel like, I'm never going to get free from this thing and I'm actually... This, I, I am the disgustingness of this thing. The other person reminds you who you really are and helps you pick up your shoulders, lift up your head, and go, I can do this. 
I can do this because God is with me and he's for me. And no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I can overcome. And I am the perfection of Christ. And I am the righteousness of Christ. And I can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of trouble because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am so grateful that God sees me (laughs) and he sees Jesus and then he is gracious with all the other parts of me that are so yuck. (laughs) And I'm committed to working with the Holy Spirit to deal with my yuck till I am perfected in Christ and taken to be in glory with him. And if you think that the person next to you has less yuck than you, (laughs) you're kidding yourself. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if we would actually choose to not live so insular and with a facade and actually opened our lives up a bit more, we'd realize that we're a lot similar to the person next to us than we think. We're not alone and we're not isolated in our brokenness. But Jesus is building a beautiful church, and that beautiful church is healing a broken world. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says that charm and grace are deceptive, and superficial beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, reverently worshiping, obeying, serving, and trusting Him with all-filled respect, she shall be praised. I want us to look at this scripture from a little bit of a different angle. I want us to look at the scripture not as we traditionally do as, you know, that's a good woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. Got to marry one of those guys, you know. I'm going to read this scripture from a different angle, and I hope that it brings light to a point I want to make. The charm, grace, favor, and superficial beauty of this world, its titles, Positional power, privilege, amassing wealth only for oneself, entitlement mentality, external beauty, strength alone. The entire world system, it's deceptive and it's vain. In other words, It traps us into thinking it's of more value and worth than it actually is. I want you to be a little bit introspective right now. Think about your home, your workplace, your community, your friends, your family. Where do you align or where are you falling prey to the trap of the deception of the world system, okay? Perhaps it's in your workplace and there is such a system in place of striving to be of a certain position, to have a certain title because then you have a certain way in which people will treat you. Then you have access to a certain income bracket. Perhaps it is the privilege that you have enjoyed by being a certain race group in this nation. 
perhaps it's an entitlement mentality that you sit with now because of being an underprivileged race group in this nation. What are the deceptive traps of this world system that you are looking at and being deceived by to think that they are of more importance than they actually are? I grew up in a privileged environment. I went to a private school. I had a swimming pool in my home. I grew up in a privileged environment. My parents are still married. My dad, a provider, my mom, a homemaker. I lived in a privileged environment. We were not excessively wealthy. We were very middle class. My parents worked very hard to give me the education that I had. My brothers never got the private education that I got. I was privileged even within my privilege. That privilege can do one of two things to me as a, as a white South African now. It can make me feel ashamed that I had what other people didn't have. And I can walk with my head low feeling, oh my gosh, I just need to go and get a bit more of a suntan because I won't stand out as much. Because everywhere I go, people see me as the whitey. Presume I live beyond the river, beyond the river's rivers. <laughs> certain areas I walk into, people have a certain perception of me. Or I can allow my privilege to make me feel like I am better than because I grew up seeing a difference between whites and blacks. And I can live in a rainbow nation, but still feel like I'm a brighter color in the rainbow. <laughs> or both of those are the deception of privilege. Or I can go, this is what I got. I can give so much more. This is what I grew up with. This is how much more I can help. This is what I learned. This is so much more that I can share. This is what I amassed. Oh, I've got so much more to share. Deception and truth. So important that we do not let the world system shape us in a way that is deceiving. There's, that is one small example, and I don't know why I went on that rabbit trail. I didn't prepare to do that. <laughs> but what is the deception that the world lures you in with? Because the world is very deceptive. The system of the world is very luring. Are you amassing wealth for yourself? Do you, have you gone from a place of being less than to now having more than enough and you are amassing it for yourself because you're so afraid that it's going to get taken away from you? Or do you see yourself as, I'm going to make as much as I can so that I can give as much as I can?
this world and everything that we accumulate or accomplish that is not fruitful for God's kingdom accounts for nothing in the long run. It's deceptive, and that means that it can make us think that it matters a whole lot more than it really does. The deception of this world system makes us think that coming to church on a Sunday is um, not as important as the multitudes of other things that want to take up our Sundays. The deception of this world makes us think that, you know what, going to a connect group, ah, you know what, I don't really need to do that because I kind of hang out with people who are kind of like Christians sometimes in the pub, and I'm reaching out to them. <laughs> the deception of this world makes us think that living a transparent life, an accountable life, is a weak life. And when you actually just keep it all here, and here, with shifty eyes, that's better not better, that's weakness. True strength is to say, you know what, I have this challenge, but I'm okay, I'm getting through it. I don't have it all together, that's okay, I'm still strong, I've got courage, I can work through this. It's deception to walk around thinking you've got it all, acting like you've got it all together when you don't. It's just a world system of pretense. putting on everything fake because the natural you terrifies you. <laughs> and I'm not having a dig at eyelashes and weaves, okay? <laughs> I, made a, I made a choice to be one who would wear very minimal makeup, and I'm not having a dig at people who wear lots of makeup. That's your journey. My journey is this. The one day I bumped into... Actually, I won't use that example. I'll use my own example. <laughs> I was a bridesmaid at a wedding. And at a wedding, the brides always want you to look ka for their photos. And so I was caked from head to toe in the most exquisite makeup. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, whoa, girl, you're rocking this. Mm, got a pretty dress. Your hair's done all glam. You got the makeup on. Everybody was like, wow, you look amazing. You could be a model. Bloom, 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 bloom. I sat the entire night alongside one of the other bridesmaids' boyfriends. And we chatted. By the end of the night, I knew all about his little girl and stuff about how we'd grown up, etc. We had a great time. The following morning at breakfast, without my makeup or my hair or my dress, the man didn't even greet me. He didn't have a clue who I was. And in fact, he turned to his girlfriend. He was like, was she the bridesmaid? I made a decision. I am going to go as natural as possible because it is way too damaging on my self-worth <laughs> and my confidence when someone only recognizes me as the glam girl and not the natural girl. <laughs> funny little story, but the point is there. There's deception and there's reality. 
So how do we make sure that in this foolish world system, we do not let it make fools of us? It's a good question to ask. Because we all live in this broken world. We all live in this deceptive world. We all are around its charm, its, its, its false bling, its shimmer, its glimmer. So how do we make sure that this foolish world doesn't make a fool of us? A good way is to go on mission. Because when you leave the comfort of your home, where you have water, electricity, food in the fridge, clothes in the cupboard, and you go on mission to a place that is less established as yours, and mission could just be down to some of the living conditions in Point Road. When you go on mission, you begin to see that what a few people live in is very different to what most of the world lives in. Another way that we can make sure that this foolish world system doesn't make fools of us is when we listen to Proverbs 9 verse 10, which says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knox expounded that to fear the Lord is not to walk around with this terrifying thought, oh my gosh, he's going to hit me at any time. Oh, oh God, please, please, I'm so sorry. I'm going to fear you. I'm going to fear you. I'll just, I will constantly be in fear of you. That's not the fear we're talking about. We're talking about reverence, awe, just that sense of, man, you are God. And you could take my breath like this but you choose to say, come boldly before me because I see the righteousness of Christ in you. But you're gonna come and you're gonna see me and you're gonna be in awe of me and you're gonna have reverence towards me because I know who I am. And I could take your breath like that. What an invitation. So when we fear the Lord, we begin to become wise people. And it tells us in Proverbs 31 that if we want to receive any kind of worthwhile or lasting praise, we need to be men and women who fear the Lord. So let's look at how we can fear the Lord. The first point is to reverently worship Him. The Amplified Bible told us that the fear of the Lord is to reverently worship, obey, serve, and trust God with awe-filled respect. So when we reverently worship, we come to God. And the fact that you are coming to God this morning in this house tells me that there is some wisdom in you, that you have chosen to come to God this morning. And I don't know if you're coming into this space and you're feeling really close to this almighty, amazing God, or if you're coming to God really far and distant from Him, but you have come. You have come to Him. Many people have not come to God this morning, and the Bible says that they are fools. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. But you are wise. You have come to God. And when you come to God, you've got to come if you're going to be one who worships reverently, you've got to come open and honest. Don't come to God with pretense this morning. If you're coming with pretense, he sees straight through it and he goes, really? It's like my little kids coming to me and going, 
I, I, I didn't eat the last cookie. I can see straight through you. Let's come to God open-hearted. God, this is where my heart is. I don't, I feel disconnected. I have questions. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm wrestling with the authenticity of your word. I'm, I'm coming to you and I'm actually really broken. I'm coming to you and I'm really excited. I'm trying to worship, but I can just think about this man that I've fallen in love with. You know, just come to God honestly, openly. Don't all look at people. <laughs> when I first met Wayne and we fell in love, I used to go to God and I said, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to pray to you, but all I can do is think about him. <gasps> I just got all these emotions and I'm so sorry, God. You know? Imagine if I went to God and I'm like, God, I'm just in your presence, in your word. But like, actually, I'm like stewarding all this love for Wayne. God's like, are you kidding me? I can see your thoughts before you even say them. Like, come to him, open, honest. <laughs> it was such a good time falling in love. Yo. I'm telling you, if someone can bottle the chemistry when you fall in love with someone, they're going to make millions. They're going to sell it to all the older married folk. Remember when? We just love each other with a deeper love now. It's a deeper level, hey. I still get butterflies, just not as often. But. Do you get butterflies all the time? Don't lie, God sees your heart. <laughs> Maybe we need to run that marriage course. <laughs> okay, reverently worshiping here, guys. Come on. Um, you can choose to live from your insecurities or you can live in security. You live insecurely, insecure, you live insecurity when you know that you are completely and utterly known by God and still unconditionally loved. So you can choose to live from your insecurities or you can choose to live in security of knowing that you are unconditionally loved even though you're completely known. So when we reverently worship, we come in that abandonment of knowing that you love me as I am. You meet me where I'm at, and you take me to where you want me to be. Worship is a lifestyle. We know that worship isn't just a song, but there is a great song that I want to play, and I want us to just listen to the words. They're going to come up. Listen to the song, listen to the words, and let them just wash over you. There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's room as he walks into the room where 
We need to awaken to live this reverentially worshipful life because that's the way we are, the beautiful church. Have you ever heard of a woman by the name of Jackie Pullinger? Jackie Pullinger, never heard of her? All right, let me tell you about Jackie Pullinger. She's an older lady, and um, she is somebody who I would say embodies a worshipful warrior. Not because I've ever heard her sing a song, but because she has lived a life of worship. She was a young woman who got on a boat back in the days when you had to catch a boat to get from one place to the next. She got on a boat from England and she was fresh out of her studies. She must have been in her early 20s. And she got on the boat as this young British woman and she said, God, my life belongs to you and I will get off this boat wherever you tell me to get off it. And I will sow my life into whichever people group you want me to sow my life into. She got on that boat. People thought she was crazy. At that stage, women didn't really go and minister. (laughs) And she was this young girl. And that boat took her from England all the way through the oceans to different docking stations. And when she got to Hong Kong, God told her, disembark. So she got off that boat in Hong Kong. She didn't know where she was going to go, where she was going to stay, but she was a worshipful warrior. And God told her to go not to the rich or the famous, but to the downtrodden and the broken, to the drug lords and the homeless. And she went to one of the most dangerous places in Hong Kong to work amidst those who were under the trap of addiction to drugs. That would be similar to us taking a young girl from one of our schools on the Berea and her walking through the city of Durban saying, God, I will just stop wherever you want me to stop. And God leads her to the Wunga addicts and says, I want you to stop here and sow your life into these men and women who are so broken. It's bizarre, but that is what a reverential worshiper does. Their life is worship unto God. They do not hold on to their life, even unto death. Can I tell you, she has had the most remarkable impact in those Bronx of Hong Kong. She saw people getting delivered from drug addiction before they had even given their lives to Christ. Because of the work that she did, her courage, her conviction, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within her, she has seen many, many people who were just the, what, what, what the rest of the world would look at and say that's the worst of the worst. She has seen them set free, liberated. She tells stories about how they, the, the people would grow their toenails because when they were sleeping on the streets, if someone tried to steal their stuff, they would use their toenails as a weapon. And she knew that those, pe- those, those men who would eventually cut their toenails in her facility had begun to trust her. She was a worship worshiper with her life. And I heard, I had the privilege of hearing her speak when I was living in London. And with tears in her eyes, she said to us, 
the beautiful church that Jesus is building has a soft heart and hard feet to go wherever he wants them to go, to love whoever he wants them to love because he wants to love them through you. He said, the church that I see in the West, in built up areas, the church has hard hearts and soft feet. And the auditorium was silent because I don't think the British like to hear challenging things with a stiff upper lip. <laughs> it was silent. People were offended. But you know what? I was a young woman and I heard that and I said, God, don't ever let me be one who sits in church with soft feet and a hard heart thinking I'm being a worshiper of you. I want to be a worshiper who has a broken and contrite heart in my authenticity towards you and my love for people. And I want hard feet. And you know what? When I go through town, I feel alive. And I hear my little boy say to me, Mom, I, is something wrong with me? When I come into town, I feel alive. I'm like, no, my boy, it's because you are a missionary. And God wants to work through your life to change a broken world by being a beautiful church. The next way that we ensure that we are obeying God, I mean, fearing God, is by being people of obedience. Your obedience affects who you become. So when you obey wisdom and truth, you flourish and you are healthy. Scripture has to be the final and greatest authority in your life. If you have the final authority is your opinion or your viewpoint, you are on the track to deception. You're going to fall into the trap of the world system. But if you are a man or woman, a boy or a girl, who will submit yourself in obedience to the Word of God, whether your intellect or your feelings agree at the time or not, you will be one who will love your neighbor as yourself. You'll be one who steers clear of gossip. You'll be one who is able to forgive. You'll be one who will bear with each other. You will honor your leaders. You'll pay your tithes. You will give generously in your offerings. You'll be kind. You'll be patient. You'll be loving because the word of God will be the final authority. And you will submit yourself to that. There is no greater freedom for me than being a woman under authority. I am under God's authority, and that makes me feel so secure. I love it. I'm like, God, you said, so I'm going to do. And it's amazing what happens as a result. You can't obey what you don't know, my friends. So if you're not in your word, if you're not reading it or listening to it, you're not going to know what to obey. And you go running around the mulberry bush of the issues in your life. And where you could blossom into the beautiful church a lot quicker, you stick in a rut. Get into the word. Get into small groups. Get around each other where you will be iron sharpening iron. Be men and women under the obedience and the authority of God's word. God challenged us as a family to bring a homeless person into our home. I don't have time to go into the story. And um, it's when dealing with the poor and the vulnerable, I would really advise that you don't be a gung-ho Christian. It's just like, woohoo, I'm just going to go and bring everybody in. You go under the guidance and the obedience of God. But God challenged us 
through a number of things, and we made a decision. We're going to open up our home to this particular person. And it was an act of obedience, and it brought such joy. That person ended up deciding not to come and stay with us. But we were obedient. We were willing to have a stranger come and live in our home with our boys and us, to care for them, to feed them, to look after them. Will you be obedient if God asks you to do something that seems contrary to what is the world's wisdom? Will you be obedient if God tells you to do something that challenges you in the way of courage where you don't feel like a courageous person? The only way you can obey is when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that leads me on to my third point is if we're going to reverently worship and we're going to obey, we've we got to serve. And serving, serving is, is, a, is something that comes easy to some and, and not so easy to others. But Jesus said they will know that you're Christians by your love. And love is shown in action. Love is shown in service one to another. I want to read a passage of Scripture because we cannot serve the way Jesus desires us to serve if we don't have this. Isaiah 58, verses 6 onwards. This is the kind of fast that I desire, that you remove the heavy chains of oppression. Stop exploiting your workers. Set free the crushed and mistreated. Break off every yoke of bondage. Share your food with the hungry. Provide for the homeless and bring them into your home. Clothe the naked. Don't turn your back on your own flesh. And then my father will bathe you in the sunlight until you are like the dawn bursting through the dark night. And then suddenly your healing will manifest and you will see righteousness march out before you. And the glory of Yahweh will protect you from harm. When we serve those who God desires us to serve, we will see favor. We will see protection. We will see light shining through our own darkness. But we've got to do it serving through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is by trusting. It's my fourth point, and I'll close with this. If we're going to fear the Lord, we're going to be people who reverently worship. We're going to be people who obey. We're going to be people who serve, and we're going to be people who trust. We're going to trust His Word that we are of worth and importance, and He wants to impact the world through us. We're going to trust in the uniqueness of our calling the gifts within us, the different men and women together as the church being the beauty and strength of Christ to a broken world. We're going to trust to be empowered mightily and powerfully. There's a scripture in Isaiah 40. It says, Have you never heard, have you never understood, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his undertaking. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait or those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on high wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Anybody need a little bit of strength from the Lord to face everything that comes their way in the day? Well, we have that strength available to us. You know, that word to wait on the Lord means to be entwined, to be almost think of it as a a vine growing around a wall, okay? The strength of the vine is not based on the vine strength, a vine on the floor you could just kick with your foot. But as the vine begins to entwine itself around a big solid wall, what happens is that vine's strength is actually the wall's strength. You can't knock that vine down because you have to knock the wall down to knock the vine down. So when we wait upon the Lord, when we trust in the Lord, we are like a vine that is entwining itself around the all-powerful, almighty, incredible God. And to get knocked down, someone has to knock him down. I don't know about you, but no one ain't knocking my God down, right? He holds the whole universe in, in place. So if you want strength, to be able to obey and to be able to serve and to be able to do these things. You've got to be one who trusts in the Lord. You've got to be one who's waiting upon Him in His presence, entwining yourself, entwining yourself in His Word, His Word in you. And then you will have incredible strength. And that is what the Holy Spirit does, my friends. The Holy Spirit empowers us. We're going to take a moment. We're going to, we're going to wait upon the Lord. And we're going to say, Father, come. Come and empower us to be these men and women who know how to reverentially worship you and to serve and to obey and to rise up and trust you to be this beautiful church to the broken world. Amen? Because there's no point in us just being hearers of the word. We've got to be doers of the word. So I want to encourage you, stand to your feet. This is a moment for you and the Lord. We're going to play that song again, okay? But this is what I require of you. I require you to open up your heart, to open up your hands, to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you where you're at. Okay, that means you've got to not be aware of the person around you. Fanelli, we're going to listen to this song. Yeah, thanks, my angel. I want you to just bring before the Lord whatever it is that is keeping you from the place that you know He wants you to be. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at ianderban.com. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.